Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The prophet Micah in the Old Testament speaks of God's reproof and chastisement of Israel in very poetic language. In chapter 1, he says, For Jehovah is about to come forth from his place, and he will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth, and the mountains will be melted under him, and the valleys will be cleft like wax before fire, like water poured down a slope. This sobering word caused Micah to weep. But as with the other prophets, Micah also speaks of God's comforting of his people, which ultimately comes at the end of this age, in what the prophets of old spoke of as the restoration, a coming age when there will be no need of weapons, for all the enemies will be gone, and Christ will rule, shepherd, and protect his people, while his people feast and rejoice in loving worship of him for a thousand years." James Lee is with us as we move on uh, further into this minor prophet Micah. Uh, we see this same theme reappearing in all the minor prophets about God's right. chastising Israel. She had departed from him, and he uses the surrounding Gentile nations as a kind of instrument for this chastisement. But they go over the top, mm-hmm. I guess using today's language, uh, very excessive in their uh, brutality. Right. And then God reacts against the nations uh, right. and has to punish them, judge them. And while all this has been going on now for some 27 centuries in the unseen realm, Mm -hmm. Christ is being and is continuing to be manifest. That's right. But an age coming also, isn't there, James, that uh, we'll see a little bit of today? Yeah. I feel this is a marvelous view to open up these minor prophets. Of course, it is negative. It was somewhat saddening to see all the chastisement, the suffering God's people had to go through. But yet, if we consider this somewhat as a background that God put his people through, but that's not the goal of his dealing. The goal of all that dealing is eventually to bring forth Christ, uh, who is the central figure in the whole Old Testament. Even all these minor prophets, in spite of all these speaking about their suffering and this and that, the purpose of all this is to bring forth Christ, who eventually is to be born into the human race, and eventually uh, he is the one who will accomplish God's economy. So this is a very meaningful uh, way to understand these uh, minor prophets, to see what's behind these apparent chastisement from God uh, is with a view of bringing forth Christ. Wow. Well, James, let's look at uh, some of the verses. We're going to touch uh, a few of these points today. There are some clear references to Christ in Micah, yeah. uh, some rich expressions, really, and a yeah. few phrases I think will be familiar to our listeners. One of them, uh, not so much referring to Christ, but a clear reference to this uh, age of restoration comes in chapter 4. But in the last days, the mountain of the house of Jehovah will be established on the top of the mountains, and it will be lifted up above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it, and many nations will come and say, 
Come, and let us go up to the mountain of Jehovah, and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth instruction, and the word of Jehovah from Jerusalem, and he will judge between many peoples, and will decide matters for numerous nations from afar." And they will beat their swords into plowshares. This is a familiar passage, I Mm -hmm. think. And their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, nor will they learn war any more. And they will each sit underneath his vine and underneath his fig tree. And no one will disturb them, for the mouth of Jehovah of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples will walk, each in the name of his God. But we will walk in the name of Jehovah our God forever and ever. So, James, we get to both ends of the spectrum, this kind of graphic language describing Israel's chastisement and also this marvelous language of this coming age of restoration. That's right. All right, let's join Witness Lee with our first portion. We come to uh, message two of Mecca. Again, I say that you all have to realize all the men and prophets talk about the same thing, just in different ways, from different angles, with different aspects. Message 2, right here, covers chapters 4 and 5. Wait, two verses quoted from chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And this is a portion of God's comfort to Israel. Actually, this comfort it will be the restoration of Israel in the millennium. This portion, the quotation from Isaiah, Chapter 2 is a very sweet, very comforting portion. Uh, You have to notice, by that time, all weapons will be out. No more weapons. Then, no more war. No more army. No more navy. No more air force. What will be there? Just peace and eating, drinking for enjoyment. You will say, what is this? Well, this is entirely worship to God. Even they will be sitting under the fig tree, under the vine tree to eat. That is a kind of a worship to God. You have to know, the whole thousand years will be a long feast. In the Old Testament, we see the children of God have feast three times a year. In every feast, they stop working. They just eat, enjoy. That is their worship. Don't you like that? Eat, drink, sing, praise, and talk about God. That will be feast, a feast of thousand years. That kind of restoration is a comfort to God's people. James, we got this very sweet reference to the coming age of restoration. How about a thousand years of feasting? Wow. (laughs) Can't wait for that. (laughs) But it really uh, reminds me, uh, kind of refreshes me that uh, this is God's intention for us, that he wants us to enjoy him. Even though in the meantime, because of our failures, because of our unfaithfulness, he had to straighten us out, you know, (laughs) but that's not what it's all about. Right. His dealing with us, his chastising us, is so that we can be brought into the proper position to enjoy him. So in the midst of this uh, portion of chastisement revealed in the Minor Prophets, for him to speak a word of comfort 
a word of encouragement like this is like opening up a little window to show us really that's what's deeply in God's heart. He wants his children to feast on him, to eat him, to enjoy him. And that's what we will be eventually ushered into. So in the meantime, we have to go through what we have to go through, all the dealings and uh, so forth. But we know God's heart is for us to enjoy him, to feast on him. Right. That's what the thousand years is going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be a thousand years of working. It's a thousand years of feasting. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to that in our, our final segment today, a little bit more about this thousand-year period. The work is over. Uh, the fighting is over. The enemies have been dealt with, and there's nothing left for God's people to do but feast. And uh, I think it's worth to bring up, in God's understanding, worship is a kind of feasting. It's not an activity. It's not a That's kind right. of doing or working for him or going through some ritual. It is our enjoyment of him to him. That's the highest worship. That's right. Just like uh, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he asked Moses to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let them hold a feast unto me. It was not for God's people to go to do things for God, you know, to work for God. God's intention of bringing his people out of Egypt so that they can hold a feast to Jehovah. Because as we feast on him, God is fully satisfied. Mm. God is the biggest provider. He has everything that we need. So as we enjoy him, he enjoys it the most. So that renders the real worship to him. Really so. Well, James, let's go to uh, chapter 5 now. I love this verse. We refer to it in our first program on Micah. Micah 5, 2. Mm-hmm. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, so little to be among the thousands of Judah. From you there will come forth to me he who is to be ruler in Israel, and his goings forth are from ancient times, from the days of eternity. Well, clear reference to Christ. We really want to zero in on this one phrase in the verse, and his goings forth are from ancient times. We love his goings forth. Yes. Here's Witness Lee again. We know the incarnation of Christ took place 4,000 years after the creation of Adam. From the ancient time, from the day of eternity, the triune God was preparing to come forth, to come out of eternity into time, and to come out of his divinity into humanity. Nobody knew what was the purpose of his creation. Then, out of a sudden, he came forth. And his coming forth was his going forth. With us, it is his coming forth. With him and the angels, it is going forth. Still, this going forth is continuing. While he is going forth, he is our ruler, he is our shepherd, he is our peace. Ruler means to keep us. Shepherd means to cherish us and to nourish us. And to be our peace means he controls all the environment that we may enjoy him. From the day of his incarnation, he started his going on until when this going on will be consummated, when he through Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of air and when he threw Satan into the bottomless pit and set up his throne. 
to be the king. That is the ending of his appearing. That's complete. By that time, he has arrived at the destination. Today, he's still on the way. You know, James, when we consider history, we like to look at it in neat bundles and tightly arranged blocks of time. We don't often open our eyes to have this kind of view mm-hmm. for 4,000 years mm-hmm. from you know God's creation of Adam till the coming of Christ. There was a preparation going on and behind the scenes that's the real meaning of uh, his creation altogether. And then since that time, there has been this continual going forth of right. Christ. Touch these two matters. I think they're just marvelous. In these 4,000 years of history, we see not just the human history, but what we are seeing is that there is God's history through Christ going forth, as shown in this verse, because it shows that God is not just sitting there in the heavens, you know, waiting for us to do something for him, Mm -hmm. but because he has an economy, there is something on his part that he is carrying out. And so even from the time he created Adam, his goings forth was beginning. And through all these last 4,000 years until Christ came, the physical coming, but even before his physical coming, there was his continuous going forth until his physical appearance. But even after his physical appearance, now he returned back to the heavens as the Spirit. His goings forth is still continuing. Of course, this time now is in and with the believers. He is still going forth until the defeat of the Antichrist and the false prophet and eventually to throw Satan into the lake of fire. I really appreciate this angle presented by Brother Lee, the going forth of Christ in human history to accomplish God's economy. Right. Of course, in this period of going forth, there's a lot of ups and downs in the human history, a lot of our defeat, of our failures, and a lot of God's chastisement. But in spite of all these ups and downs, you see Christ going forth in different ways, being revealed in the Old Testament and being born in the human race. And now he is going forth through the apostles, through the believers, through the church in the New Testament. He is still going you know, to bring his people to our final destination to make us his new Jerusalem. Hmm. This is really tremendous. This is a a view that if we could just uh, keep it, every time we (laughs) open the Old Testament scriptures, I think it would would definitely change not only our understanding, but our appreciation. Yes. Because this is the view we're seeing now again and again and again, but uh, we want this view to get crystallized in our being. Yes. And for the 2,000 years of the church age, this is the continuing a manifestation of Christ. This is the continuing of his goings forth. It's not just that he came, That's right. he was here for a while, he left, and then he's coming again, that these That's are right. separate events. This is all part of one continuum That's right. that the prophet here refers to as the goings forth from eternity, from God, That's coming right. into time, coming into humanity, That's right. uh, and being manifested today in the body of Christ, and yes. ultimately there will be another final appearing, won't there? That's right. Even personally, every day yeah. as we come to spend time with the Lord, he is coming forth a little bit more. Right. To him, it is his going forth. But to me, it is his, his coming, coming forth. forth. Right. So every morning, spending a little time with the Lord, you see Christ coming forth through his word, and he comes into your heart a little bit more. He speaks to you a little bit more, and he makes his home in your heart a little bit more. Mm. These are all part of the fulfillment of this verse <laughs> in Micah. <laughs> 
This is really oh, precious. It's tremendous. Yes. All right. Our third section today, uh, I want to do a little reminding now. We've seen when we were touching the minor prophet Joel, this verse in chapter 1, verse 4, about Joel seeing these four kinds of locusts that uh, were interpreted for us and related very much to the image in Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, the king Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, a vision. None of his uh, sayers could interpret it. Daniel, the young uh, Israelite, was able to interpret the dream. And in that vision of a human image with four sections, he saw the four great coming human empires. First, the head Babylon, followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, the third empire being the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great, and the fourth empire, the Great Roman Empire. And this represents all the human government in all of history. Joel saw them as locusts coming upon Israel, subduing, chastising, causing suffering. That portion comes back to us now and is referred to in Micah chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And this one will be the peace. When Assyria comes into our land and when he treads in our palaces, we will raise up against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men, and they will waste the land of Assyria with a sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he will save us from Assyria when he comes into our land and when he treads in our border. So we'll see what Assyria and Nimrod have to do with these four locusts, these four great empires of division in Daniel 2. Then verses 2 to 9. Why here Assyria is mentioned? Why Nimrod is mentioned? No doubt that refers to the frog-eyed locusts. The first of the five signs Amos saw is a sign of locusts. Then when he saw the locusts charming, the eating, and cutting right away, the prophet prayed, Lord, stop this. Surely Jacob, your elect, cannot stand this. He, he is too small. Right away, God answered that. Stop. This means what? In God's chastisement, there is an amount of preserving. God preserved. You have to realize today, the little nation of Israel sees, on the one hand, under God's chastisement, and in the meantime, also under God's shepherding. They are under God's care. Be at peace. God surely will take care. In Daniel, it shows this massive of the human image. In the study of Daniel, I told you already, the smashing of the human image was from the faith. Who was the faith? Antichrist. The smash of the faith implies the smashing of the entire image. But the smashing not started from the head. But here it mentions the beginning. Assyria. Assyria equals Rome. Nimrod equals Antichrist. It's quite meaningful. This means this coming Christ takes full responsibility to deal with the entire locusts, including Nimrod, Assyria, Babel, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and Antichrist. This is why by then, we have no enemy. By then, we have no disturbance. By then, we want to have enjoyment. We eat, we drink, we enjoy the peace. 
That is to worship Him for eternity. We are called not to work, not to labor, but to worship. God is His very, and now this God is seeking His worshipers. This is mentioned clearly in John 4. In the spiritual sense today, we don't work. The faith is ready. Come and dead. We come. We enjoy. The enemy is gone. No more Assyria. No more Nimrod. No more Babylon. No more Nebuchadnezzar. No more Greece. No more Alexander the Great. And no more Rome. No more Antichrist. They've all been crushed by the big stone. The earth becomes the kingdom of God for eternity. And all his elect will be the enjoyers. So this is the word of restoration. But I call it the word of comfort. James, I studied some history in college. I think I just got more <laughs> meaningful history in about three minutes in uh, all those semesters of college history courses. What a picture. The enemies are done away. That's right. And there's nothing left at the end but to feast, enjoy, and to worship. This is uh, is true. What a way to look at history, not just from a human viewpoint, yeah. but from a divine viewpoint. And surely whatever takes place in our human history from the viewpoint of God's economy is so meaningful. These four government, four empires, basically is the totality of all of human government on the earth today. Because today, in a very good sense, we are still under the Roman Empire. Yeah. And these governments are just like locusts. They're eating us away, bringing us through all the sufferings, dealings. The government, is that's what it's there for. And God used them for a particular purpose, to chastise us, purify us, prepare us. But at the end, he is going to gain a people that has been purified, stripped, sanctified, prepared. Now, all we know to do is just to enjoy him. We enter into the real peace. There's no more war, no more enemies, no more troubles. And God is gaining his uh, real worship. This is the picture I'm seeing. And uh, I I thank the Lord very much, you know, with Brother Lee's view through the human history. Mm -hmm. It's full of meaning. I mean, even though... You know, nowadays we are paying high price gas, you know, gasoline, you <laughs> yeah, know, all these. Cutting from the locusts yeah, going right. on every time we fill up, isn't there? Yeah. That's right. I mean, it's another cut, you know. Uh, but uh, you see God's way through these locusts in his uh, chastising us, dealing with us, restricting us, so that we can be brought more into appreciating this Christ who has been going forth from eternity and then enjoy him more so that we can be prepared as their people to accomplish his economy. Isn't it amazing, James, you know, these uh, prophets were writing seven, 800 years before Christ, which now means close to 3,000 years ago. Yeah. But still today, at the center of the whole uh, world scene is the little Israel, this little Jacob, yeah. and this cutting, swarming, consuming activity of the locusts around it. Yeah. And there's no one on the earth that isn't affected by this. That's right. Isn't it incredible? You think about it. I mean, here we are. We're, you and I are sitting in California yeah. paying these high gas prices that really 
are, are very much a result of more of this cutting, yeah. swarming activity of these locusts. It goes That's on, right. goes on, but behind the scenes, That's Christ right. is being continually brought forth, manifest, right. and this is what we have to keep our focus on. Really so. Otherwise, we'll be yelling, complaining, yeah, you know, exactly. like everybody else in the world does. <laughs> yep. And now we have the end in view that through this, we will be brought into the pure enjoyment of Christ. Wow. Where the work will be over, all the sufferings will be over, all the impurities will be all gone, and we could render to God the genuine worship. Wow. Well, that's the goal. We must keep our eye fixed on that. That's right. Oh, really good to have you as always, James. Hope you'll come back again soon. And uh, I appreciate being here. Yeah, Enjoy it's it. very enjoyable. Amen. We had a little taste today. Amen. Uh, if you'd like to get the printed life study messages so that you can follow along in that way, we hope you'll contact us. Our toll-free number is one eight 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 life study That's 888-543-3788. For James Lee, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.